The kids on Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? Halloween is a Freddy Krueger podcast. Was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. From the Consequence Podcast Network, the minds behind the Losers Club comes a new podcast in fantasy terror. Nancy? something wrong with you you're imagining Halloweenies a Freddy Krueger podcast Consequence Podcast Network Isn't Consequence like it's mainly written isn't it Yeah um, like yeah So what's this about <laughs> Well we Is this just a transcript or? No we we well yes and no we we launched a podcast network Oh, cool. uh, a couple cool. years ago, and um, we do a bunch of different types of podcasts, including track by track ones. Okay, yeah, we're doing a track by track. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Cool. We'll transcribe it up and we'll run it with the album stream. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, it's not my job to worry about <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> He's like, I recorded the thing, you deal with yeah, it. You can deal with all that stuff. <laughs> this is Ben K with Yanis from Foles. Welcome, Yanis. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Good, good to be here. Let's get right into it. We're this this new record, everything not saved will be lost. You're doing it as as a two part record, right? This companion record. So this is album f- five and six. Yeah, is I guess right? so. Yeah, yeah. So why why now? Why are you thinking companion? Why are you thinking a two parter? What made you break this down? Um, so largely, it's just a response to the amount of material we had. We we um, we went into the studio uh, without you know, without a particular destination in mind, we, we'd been not on a hiatus, but we took some proper time off for the first time after touring what went down. Um, so when we went back into the studio, there was like, we felt like we wanted to work without any parameters and we just wanted to be as creative as possible and have as much time as possible. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't a kind of end goal. We didn't, we didn't go in with the intention of a, of a, of two records. Um, and it actually only came about towards the latter stages of the recording that we started to think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, once we realized that we had about 20 tracks and we thought that they were all important to put out, um, then the question was about how best to do that and how to communicate the music to the outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, and we felt that, you know, without going into all the sort of ins and outs, like we didn't want to do like a, a straight up double album partly because most of them suck <laughs> and um you know i think that it was we felt like it was important for to have the songs have breathing room and space um and that there was a challenge in sequencing the album so they had their own internal journey and then you could have almost a dialogue between the two records right. and and for for people to be able to get to f- familiar with 10 tracks at a time right yeah, no. Was, uh, the press the press describes it as uh, two records that are profoundly tethered, but possessing their own personalities, uh, fundamentally companion pieces. So, so when you're breaking them down and sequencing them, how are you thinking about the personality of 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 each one? Like, what it, what is the personality of part one? What is the personality of part two? So, I mean, for me, it's kind of it's a it's to do with a palette. Like, um, you know, thematically, they they all come from the same. Um, place you know both but all of the all of the songs came were written at the same time um so when we were when we were sequencing it it was largely about intuitively feeling which songs coalesced into different groups so record one for me is a red record which is partly why the cover is the way that it is um largely the songs that were had more of an emphasis on rhythm and textures kind of pulled together on that album 
and then some of the heavier tracks that kind of burn off uh, live energy tended to to fall into the second album category which has its own kind of shade um to it and then um and then and then there was more detailed work in the internal sequencing on the record so uh everything not saved will be lost part one ends in a place where it almost to us it felt like a cliffhanger it felt like the 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 end of a movie Mm -hmm. um and album two starts with a response it starts like with a bang basically uh that that goes against the mood that's left Mm -hmm. on the first record yeah i mean we'll we'll get there but i i my note on uh the track is I wrote I'm done but it's longer than that right? yeah it's I'm done time. with the world and it's done with me right it's it ends on this downer of a note kind of it's, yeah. it's very uh, yeah empire. it's a bummer it's very Empire Strikes Back kind of like yeah uh, yeah middle middle of this middle of the saga when you got into the studio and realized you had so many songs I'm wondering how much of that had to do with kind of the the internal transitions of the band like you you lost Walter between the two records he, he departed and then also you decided to personally take on production roles on this one having just worked with james ford and flood and all these other guys you you're I'm, I'm wondering how how coming at it from those new perspectives might have flourished your songwriting yeah i think it, it's definitely a variety of things so i guess starting at the beginning i think what was important was having uh time away from the band like for a few months uh, partly to say that you know we wanted to surprise ourselves with this record and, and approach it with relish rather than anything even uh, nearing a feeling of obligation to do it and I think I actively wanted to lose myself in t- domestic small spheres of activity so just spending time at home feeding the cat doing the laundry you know w- walking to the pub and back and uh, yeah I'd kind of romanticized the idea of bore- boredom in my head and then with the hope that having felt felt domestically constrained that it would lead to a a burst of creativity um and i think that'd be true for all of us i felt like by the time we got into actually starting to work on new music we were we were rearing to go you know we were we 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 had the itch in a way that i think uh what went down being worked on so closely after holy fire we were still we were still in that touring world you know yeah, yeah. so that led to a that led i think just to um, an abandon and an enjoyment of the of the process and um, Walter's departure I guess that was more to do with just we had to adapt so we couldn't go back to Oxford and the studio that we had written a couple of records in it just felt like it belonged to the past so we left that there so because we had a lot of time um, in this studio that we found in our neighborhood and it was it was it was it was we didn't need to worry about expenses or about producers um like schedules and stuff so we just had free reign there was we wanted to make a record without parameters um without external parameters right so that's that's i think what led to us working on so much material and in in other in different contexts we would have probably had to have started shaving things down um and we would have been up against the clock in some way but because right. of the way we did it it was free so that helped us complete all of all of the ideas that we went in with right. Well, that's 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 kind of cool that it it all came together in such a way that allowed you to be so productive. Cause yeah, this, this album is solid, man. Like I'm excited for two, but like this album's solid. I really, really enjoy it. So let's get right into it then. Opening track, Moonlight. I walked into the desert. I walked out. 
it's kind of a a a darker sound, a darker intro to it to an album. Uh, it's it's got these like kind of dripping, bouncing synths and that that layered vocalization in the background. Uh, how does that signal the world of of everything? Not saved will be lost for for two albums. Um, it, you know, it's not meant to be indicative of the music that's to follow. I just I like records where there's a kind of there's an opening of a space. You feel like you're gonna you're going through a wormhole. You're going through like a warp, or it's like one of those old cheesy TV effects from the uh-huh. '60s where the, where the picture Twilight Zone. <laughs> yeah, the picture wobbles, and then you know that you're into this alternate place. Um, and I think that this idea of like making a record that has a defined sense of place to it was important. Um, it's like very linked to landscape. So with with that track, I just wanted it to be like a, a cleanser, so that you you go into it, um, and the lyrics infer um, this idea of moving, you know, from the past into the future, and it just felt like the right way to start the record. Um, so yeah, it's not indicative of what's to follow, but I think that 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 serves its own purpose. Right. So it's it's setting up this kind of future world that you're going to explore for all, for this these twenty tracks. I I think it also sets up kind of a, an expansion in sound too to to get uh, listeners a little more ready. I feel like this album is is more uh, in tune to electronics and electronic sounds, and and some there's some crazy synth stuff going on throughout it. Um, yeah, I mean that you know, Moonlight definitely was a song where it was one of the first things um, that we wrote, and I I had just been messing around with my loop pedal in my house, and I'd been listening to this Bulgarian as a great Bulgarian uh, choral record, mm-hmm. and I was chopping it up, and then um, it felt fresh, like to to us, it felt like a it felt like something we hadn't done before, mm-hmm. and I think maybe having that that kernel of the idea at that early stage helped us, it propelled us into wanting to make tracks that were more textural and more led by the mm-hmm. synths. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great lead into Exits, you know, the big lead single, which does kind of have that that transitional sound, but it's it's got those just so, I don't, I don't know what the word is, uh, they're like addictive uh, grooves that you guys are, are so known for. If Moonlight sets like opens the door to the world, like exits is is the the guy guiding you in and showing you the kind of apocalyptic landscape that you guys are working in here, right? Yeah. Where does the the ominous kind of theme emerge in exits? Like you've set the scene with Moonlight. Yeah. What what are you telling us in in exits? Like where are we now? It is it's a very visual song f- for me. Like I felt I, I I felt like I had a clear picture that. Uh, I wanted to describe in the lyrics, um, which was essentially, I guess, this kind of this view of humanity um, being able to live in a surreal way underground in bunkers in a kind of ant colony uh, type situation. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it wasn't necessarily meant to be super bleak. I also felt like it had a playful element to it of of the flowers growing upside down. And I just liked this kind of, I, I was attracted to this uh, place that I saw the song inhabiting. Um, 
But essentially, it, it is one where there's obviously a reason why people are hiding out underground, mm-hmm. and it's because there's hostile or threatening forces above ground. And we felt like um, part of the reason why we put it out first is that it it ties up a lot of the different um, narrative themes through the record in this one song. So there's like it there's the there's you know the opening lines are to do with climate change i guess and climate change deniers and then there's mm. surveillance aspects later on in the song and mm. um also just in the sense of i think that there's there in the in the in when i when i think about the record i think about uh, labyrinths and mazes and i feel that they're symbolic of the confusion of the time and how it's sure. difficult to find a rational way through so th- all of that basically was swirling around in the song for me um and then it, writing the lyrics was just a, it was basically how to lay that out in mm-hmm. in the simplest terms um musically we that we <laughs> how, to, how to lay out that wildly complicated yeah. concept in the simplest yeah. terms but yeah. you know we popped it you know yeah. there's some nifty lines in there so there are yeah. um but yeah so and you know i think in, in terms of the musical thing we'd had a desire to write what we called a chugger for a while uh-huh. like for us that's a chugger Hell yeah. um and <laughs> nailed we, it yeah <laughs> We didn't want. Uh, we didn't want it to. We wanted it to be this like slab. We didn't want to have drops and builds and and have it be um, overtly structured. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrestled with the bass line a lot in that one. It took a long time to. F- we had we had the drum groove, but the bass kept changing. Mm-hmm. Probably had three or four different bass lines in it over the year, wow. and then only towards the like the last stages, um, took inspiration from Talk Talk's life. What did you make it? and decided to do this bass piano thing and i had the engineer putting his arm on the strings and it, it hurt him it hurt him a lot to do it because it took a while to get the tape dang you're really putting him to it oh yeah we took over that guy's life like uh you know because initially we just went to demo in the studio we just said oh look we've got some ideas we'll try it out for a couple of weeks and see how it is um and then we we were still there a year and a half later, Man. and uh, he didn't he didn't get to do like family holidays or anything. Oh that. my god! Yeah, he he worked he worked like an <laughs> absolute dog. So you're you're having this guy working on this post apocalyptic record, and you're like, no Christmas, like yeah. you stay <laughs> pretty pretty much. Yeah. Uh, okay, well then then we move into White Onions, right? Which coming off this, uh, uh, what would you call it? A banger? Is that what was chugger? It? Ch- a chugger. Yeah. Which yeah, it. I mean, it is like I. I'm literally just playing the hook in my head. It's It's been there since I got on the train to come down here. It just won't awesome. stop. But now we're in White Onions, which is this super, I read it as like the super aggressive, um, or pretty aggressive at least, uh, uh, kind of uh, just power drive. Like it's just this heavy bass with this this real uh, skittering synth. It's, 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 it's anxious, it's nervous, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it seems angry too. Yeah, it is sort of angry. Yeah. I think it continues the theme. It's like, it's the logical, uh, it, I mean, lyrically, it's the logical response to this feeling of uh, being caught in a in a bind basically and there's references to mazes and cages and mm-hmm. again it's like this labyrinth this this issue of like how how to find the correct way out um so yeah it's you know it's probably one of the simplest songs we've written for a while and I, I felt like when we were playing it in the room it was harking back to 
um, some of our earlier songs in a way, you know, in terms of like the, the drive of it and the rhythmic sure. drive. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's one of my favorite songs on the record. And I, I'm pretty excited to play it live. I think it's one of those songs where when we were doing it, we knew it was going to translate into the live um, the live space really well. Well, it's got it's got so much energy to it. Even if it is that anxious kind of aggressive energy, it's, yeah. it's really I th- you know it's about it's about it's about wanting to not be trapped basically and not wanting to not be in a small padded room like this, <laughs> right? And so coming after an opener where where the lyrics are about being trapped underground, I suppose that that makes good sense. I mean, are we? Yeah. Are the more I hear you describe the each song, I mean, we've only done three, but. Uh, we're not. Are we dealing with like a concept record? Are we dealing with like? No, it it wasn't yeah. as formulated as that. It's just more that basically, I felt like so. I we'd been working on the music for months and months, and I and I had um I felt like I was kind of marinating on, on the themes, but um, you know what? How do you define? I don't know how you define a concept record anyway. There there are true. there are repeated themes in the record which are, which I. You know what the desire was to write was to write a record that was reflective of the current time. I wanted to make this record set now. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't for me. It's not some dystopian, far away, imaginative leap. It's meant to be reflective of now. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted it to be imbued with a sense of what it's like to be in London at the moment and what it's like to be of our generation. Um, so, in you know, that was my that was what the themes were that I was orbiting around. I don't know if that's a concept record, but. Though I, I I wanted to have every song be in the same world, I wanted it to feel cohesive. Right. Yeah. I've I've been wrestling in in a lot of interviews recently with the idea of a concept album versus like a conceptual album. Like this is a conceptual album. Like there's like there's like this a thematic uh, thorough line that yeah really and ties been, it all together. Yeah. There's there's thoughts gone into sure, it. Sure. Of so, course. So. Uh, but we're not dealing with like a colony of underground humans in like a dystopian future, and they're they're wrestling with their emotions. No, yeah, it does. To me, that's a concept record. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's not as yeah, it's not as strict as that. Right. Can just real quick, because I'm, I couldn't. What does that white onions mean? I couldn't put my finger on it. Like as a title. Well, partly it was like a working title uh, that pre-existed the lyrical content, and we became attached to the to that was its name you know and and we've and we felt like uh when we've changed working titles before sometimes we regret it i think also that there's something to do with levels and layers and that f- feeling of unwrapping something and sure. it, it ties into the same uh into some of those same images i think okay um so in degrees is where i kind of as much as as much as i see it in in exits and um in White Onions, you, as you were saying, White Onions does kind of harken back to this this live sound that you guys have. In Degrees, I wrote down, literally, it's it's a dance floor number. Like, it's like a 80s new wave disco dystopia, right? And that's not, that kind of electronic dance-y sound isn't, you have this dance punk edge to a lot of your other stuff. This felt really, uh, and I want to say clubby, but clubby in comparison. And then at the same time, it's this theme running through it about uh, communication, yeah, right, and the lack thereof uh, mm. in in the modern times. Is there a connection to the idea of like? 
dance sounds and communication vocalized communication or yeah i think um yeah I, you know it definitely to us it feels like the clearest distillation of a of of a dance track like you know we've like you're saying we've kind of flirted with um with dance rhythms before but they've, there's always been a heavy presence of live instrumentation and this one we wanted to fully we wanted to, there was this there was like there was an itch to scratch there we wanted to fully do something that we felt was like was a distillation of that and i mean lyrically I liked I was I was attracted to this idea of having a contrast between a song that's talking about the lack of meaningful human com- communication but also kind of knowing that dance tracks inevitably bring people together in physical environments where people dance and mm-hmm. they have a good time and feeling like the song became a bit of a trojan horse like that where it's the message is kind of is to do with being isolated but in a way where it's at contrast with the with the way that it will be listened to and right I, I, I I, and, I, and you know, there's a tradition of that. Like, if you listen, you know, I like melancholic dance records. Mm-hmm. Like, New Order is that through and through. And right. there's a tradition of it in the UK, particularly. And it just seems to suit. You know, they, it suits itself aesthetically. It felt like it was a very kind of a clean, white lines, melancholic song to me. I don't know. Uh, there, there's something about the, the actual sonics of it that just felt like. There needed to be images about glass doors and about inability to 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 transcend them. Right. Yeah, it does it gets it gets super primal on that on that hook when you repeat it. Yeah. Uh and I'm just I'm just picturing people like, yeah, going kind of crazy on on the dance floor. At the same time it's about I mean, thematically it's about an inability to communicate and if we're set in the modern times then, you know, I'm holding my phone. Yeah, like you're reading your phone. Well, it's it's your <laughs> lyrics. That's what I'm doing. I'm tra- I pulled up your lyrics. Uh but yeah, I mean, it's it's I, th- I, f- I thought that contrast really came through yeah, yeah. in a way that was... Um... Yeah, th- so that's what, you know, that's, I guess, uh, all of these things are in the album. And th- so we're out, you know, th- I think um, this th- this thing about uh, modernity and where we're at and the fact that there's a kind of... Dis- I feel like there's a disappointment mm-hmm. with where we're at. And I think that if we're... Obviously, in our day-to-day lives, we can be optimistic, we can be happy, we have loved ones and we can enjoy a good meal or whatever but the basically the backdrop of our generation is one of anxiety and feeling slightly disappointed by we were promised utopian technology we were promised you know we've got we've got all of mankind's knowledge at our fingertips and yet it's all just cat memes and fart gags and like (laughs) it's it's there's something that's disappointing about that and it's disappointing that politically we feel like there's regression going on or or not it's not even necessarily regression it's just aggression right and this is the backdrop of the whole record is is i wanted just to, to be communicating this kind of continually in a way through the album but without it being too overt or too right. sloganeering right i think we'll we'll get to the politically stuff in a, in a track but we got to get through syrups first How does syrups tie tie into this whole world of anxiety that you see us all living in, which is sadly accurate? <laughs> um, so yeah, syrup. You know, syrups is. Um, I guess it becomes slightly more the the the, the, the lyrics become slightly more personal. And it's the, it's kind of it's a more emotive expression from the way that I feel, 
and it's thinking about there's some lines about my parents in it and about a desire to escape basically um the second half of it definitely is set you, you know it's very much a london for me it's like it's london you mm -hmm. know it's like it's victorian railway arches mm -hmm. it's foxes at night walking around and the fact that the urban centers i mean in a lot of the world but certainly in london like the, uh, the the experience of living in cities is changing there's no record shops anymore there's no bookshops anymore and people are being replaced by ai and this feeling of like the environment becoming denuded and depopulated and and how as a kid being excited about living in a city and now feeling like it's the the best days are behind you know in a way um almost like you missed it when you got to the city yeah in a way yeah because yeah. i only moved to london like five years ago i mean it's a great city i love living there new york's a great city same, but i've be, been here for six yeah same thing you yeah. know and they're obviously still it's still amazing thing to be living in these cities mm -hmm. um but i i don't know i was just att attracted to this idea sometimes when you walk up when i was walking back from the studio late at night like literally you'll only see fox there's loads of foxes in london right so you just see foxes not over. something i knew you're talking like Foxes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's foxes. foxes just all over London. Wild. So there's just something kind of macabre about it, like walking at, under. And you know, I live near some Victorian arch, like railway arches, and there's just something about like thinking about Britain's glory days, where they they pumped out all of this Victorian building, and they were the center of the world, and now it's like kind of crappy, <laughs> and and yeah. only the foxes are there. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. I did notice foxes come up in a, in a in another track a little bit down the line. Yeah, right? yeah, because they're they're just on my mind. Like I see them a lot. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that in a city like London, you've got this wild, beautiful creature that's that's everywhere yeah. and kind of invisible. Like you, st I still get excited by seeing them. Yeah. But you'll, I'll see one maybe once a week or once every couple of weeks. That's wild. Yeah. As a, as a you know as a uh, as an American who. I've been to London, but I didn't know there was like a, a fox thing. Oh, yeah. My, those images in my mind like really paint this kind of mystical, mystical, the mythical kind of yeah. image. And you're telling me it's real. It's it, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that actually heightens it rather than spoils it. Okay, but I do have to wonder. So as you're, you're telling me about all the themes here uh, that, the, that the record is covering, I got to wonder how it feels to be singing about that stuff all the time like it's it's a hard enough world to live in right with all these anxieties and all this broken dreams and broken promises i i have to wonder from like uh from a, a performers and an artist's perspective you wrote these songs they're solid songs they're great songs do you worry that i don't want to put the idea in your head do you worry that you'll burn yourself out on those like by repeating those concepts no i feel like the the concept is when you first utter it or when you when you record it. Once we get into tour, I think it it, it switches off. Like the songs, um, they don't remain open and raw in that way for that long. They kind of form a they form a seal over them. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think, and maybe that's to stop yourself from kind of being too emotionally drained. Right. Um, but I definitely feel like you know you you get into kind of performative mode and obviously there are nights when certain songs you'll reaccess that exact same feeling or there'll be a new feeling there'll be something that is deeply emotional on stage that'll happen but it's not like it's not like every time we'll play syrups i'll be feeling i won't have that same initial feeling hopefully not anyway we'll sure see. yeah yeah uh 
I suppose that is the entire purpose of the art from your perspective. Yeah, like, you know, but you, you, I, what you're saying is true, though, in the sense of, like, there was a point where I was like, you know, for me, the act of making a record is one that I want the record to be enjoyable, for one thing, both to listen to and, and to make. I want it to be, I want to make something beautiful that can be enjoyed. And when you're populating that with these themes, it's like, do you, do you give more power to the, to the dark stuff by allowing it into the songs or are you just are you transforming it by putting it into right. a song where you turn it and I think it's the latter I felt like there's nothing that's become sullied by putting in these themes or by putting in these images mm-hmm. in fact it's like you gild them in a way you turn them into something that becomes poetic and it becomes artistic rather and it kind of transcends the actual the, the actual anxiety sure so it's just using it as a fuel to make something better. Sure. And I suppose it's the same way. You can't confront that anxiety until you give it give it name and give it face. Yeah. So that's that's part of what you're doing there. And yeah, I just it's a richer experience, I think, to listen to the record. I think it, for me, even discussing it with you now, it's like it's a more interesting discussion because we're talking about stuff that has greater meaning. And it's, right. And it's true. We're in the same boat, you know, and most of us are in the same boat. So I wanted to definitely, one, that was one of the purposes of, Certainly, with the lyrics, is wanting to make a record that was going to resonate and communicate with people. Okay, that that's an oddly decent transition into on the lunar because it has a direct mention of a of a certain individual who causes what, Amer- a, America's Boris Johnson. Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. that guy. I don't know what it's like for you as as a as a British national uh, uh, hearing his name from my perspective, like from living in it every time. It just it's a little suck. So like like it, it, connecting to the what we just talked about, like why what's what's it like naming him and bringing him into this and and having him be part of your lyricism? I don't know. I just thought it was the right thing to do. I just felt like in the same way that I've allowed other political themes in. You know, he's the overriding symbol of the political, the wider political turmoil. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, I didn't mention Brexit by name, but Brexit is makes up part of the fabric of the kind of the landscape of the record subliminally even. And I didn't want, I felt that that did, I just felt like that didn't need to be named, but but Trump needed to be named because also the song is dealing with the repetition of seeing him. And then it becomes yeah. like a kind of meta um gag in a way where it's like uh the continual presence of him then why not also just have him in a song and try and um i also didn't feel like it was too heavy-handed because he's only referenced sort of once and it's like it's it's couched in in i felt that there was a there was a proportionality to it which Mm um but yeah so i don't know i didn't i didn't actually hesitate that much about it yeah no and it it fits the greater what you were just saying about how we see him all the time, which is kind of the greater theme of this. Also, he's a shortcut to saying something else. Yeah, that's so really unfortunately true. But yes, what, what I'm really trying to say in that line is about um, the paradox between being observers and passivity and wanting to just have this sense of the, there's a re- repetition of all day, all day going on throughout the song in various ways. But this idea that we're we're horrified, but we're also 
hugely enthralled in a strange way as spectators. Yeah. And then there's the question about action and inaction. Mm -hmm. um, and he's just a shortcut in a way of saying like, we watch all of this stuff happen mm -hmm. and we watch it all day mm -hmm. and we're kind of glued to it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's what that, that's what that's about. Yeah. And I mean, I, as I think this all ties back. Am I, am I, is this incidental or is a day in the life and day in the life of, is that, is that a, uh, a callback to the Beatles or is that incidental? It's incidental, yeah. It's more just that I wanted the song to feel like this small capsule of a day where there's these, um, s these, these kind of some of these pedestrian images of being by like a Lido or it just felt like, uh, it feels like a day to me, mm -hmm. but the day becomes like a Groundhog Day. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of what <laughs> living in, in a social media onslaught yeah. feels like. Um, Oh yeah, what about musically uh, on on uh, on the lunar? Uh, there's this kind of I called it a cowbell, but I'm, I don't have the most. It, it, it is. is a cowbell. Yeah. yeah. So you have this nice like constant uh, rhythming of it. Uh, what was what was is, is that tying Why is in the cowbell? Well, no, I'm I'm trying to say like uh, the cowbell was just like the sound that I yeah. I hooked onto. But the, you're talking about this day of this groundhog like experience in, in our days. Did you were you looking to mirror that? Uh, sonically in the, in the music yeah the, the song is like one loop yeah. almost all the way through with a couple of tiny little flips on it but mm -hmm. um, yeah it wasn't it wasn't overly thought out like that but like we just we had the riff and the riff actually was like a hangover from something from what went down um, and once you're playing that it's like a locked groove so I guess I mean it does it does kind of symbolize what's going on lyrically but it wasn't by design it loops around and then obviously the song is sort of looping around in itself so it, it just I, I just we can't take credit for it because it wasn't sure. on purpose let's go to uh, I want to pronounce it as it's supposed to be but Cafe de Athens yeah that's, that's it, it. so this one to me feels like another this really kind of bright synthy electro track, uh, which again, it's great to see this sound that I think has been hiding, not hiding, but just subtler throughout much of, uh, of your past catalog, really pop um, yeah. on a lot of these songs. How much of that is, is a factor of paralleling the themes or how much of that is a factor of you just being like, not going to do the same thing we've done before. We've got kind of a new setup going on. We're in a new space where we're recording ourselves without without James Ford next to us this time or, or somebody like that what what brings that forward yeah I think it's yeah it's a it, it's that it's the latter in the sense of wanting to be you know wanting to be excited and, and I, th I feel like generally you know we we tend to be attracted to whatever we haven't just done you know so like which is which is why we 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 feel like we've leapt from one record to another generally um we're kind of repelled away from whatever came before mm -hmm. so I definitely think like on what went down we the you know I, th I feel like the dna of the band in a lot of ways is like these repeated loopy patterns usually on the guitar yeah and that's kind of the that at the start you know the, when we made antidotes that was like a, it became um a signature but it also kind of became a like we felt like it was like a prison kind of you know we'd set up this very very narrow 
we'd set up these constraints basically mm-hmm. that we had to work within. So a, a lot of the desire of the band after that was to 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 widen the sound and to break away from stuff. But like, I think it, it's fair to say on this record, maybe partly because we didn't we weren't working with a producer, and because we felt that if it, it, we were just attracted to, to exposing and forefronting some of that pattern um, that's there. It's like the DNA of it and putting it to the forefront of the songs more. Um, so with something like Cafe, it's, it's actually like partly, you know, it, it, I'd started to record more on, um, I learned how to use some music software for the first time. So I was working on little loops and things. And often those initial loops actually have made it onto the final version of the album. So <laughs> some of it's been... I guess that, that that's somewhere where not working with a producer allows allows it to be a more concentrated vision of us. Mm-hmm. It's like less diluted by other people's mm-hmm. opinions. Yeah, and I'm sure that there's there's if you're trying to break away from that kind of stylistic confine that you had set up for yourself, if you if somebody's not there telling you, but you sounded so good when you did this, you should do it like that. You can find different ways out of it. Yeah, and um, certainly. Certainly, all over the record, I, I, I and on uh, uh, Cafe to Athens, particularly, I do hear that like it's it's very much folds, but it's very much. It's it's what it's kind of. Um, it's, I don't want to say it's like two but it's like you found a way to do your signature in a way that feels like you've progressed. Yeah, right. That's what we, you know. That's what we wanted to do. I think. You know, you've got to justify why you're making a fifth record. It's like if it's just going to be the same sort of thing. It's and like, a sixth. <laughs> and a sixth, yeah. Um, and you know, for our own for our own happiness and for our own fulfilment, I think we have to we have to feel excited, and you do that by by feeling like you're breaking new ground. So, um, but yeah, in some ways, I think that a lot of the a lot of the musical motifs are very, will be, f- or the style of them will be familiar, but it's the it's the it's the way they're coming across. Like, so with Cafe in particular, that it's marimba and vibraphone. So not, okay. which is why, you know, if they'd been on guitars, it would maybe sound more, um, you know, it would have, it, I think the freshness comes from using it, using the studio and using instrumentation in a broader yeah. way. Yeah. Moving on to the next part. It's, it's a 44 second instrumental. It's surf part one. I think of instrumentals as as breaks most of the time. Mm. You're putting a break in near the end of the album. Mm. What's what's the purpose of this 44 second? Um I didn't really I don't think about it uh I didn't think about it as a break. Basically like um it it came about there's a song there's a song in part 2 called Into the Surf and on album 2. <laughs> and when we were making the exits video I wanted to make these kind of little teaser vids that ended up coming up. And um, so I went through both albums and I extracted layers of sounds from the songs. And with that one, we just kind of fell in love with it, in love with it. And we were looking for something on album one that would, we were really, we, we spent a lot of time thinking about the journey and the flow and all, and yeah. uh, you know, um, and it felt like there was something missing. And there was something that was just like that last ingredient wasn't there in the record Mm -hmm. um and we needed help transitioning between certain songs we felt like there there was there was just something that was out of proportion about the way it was so i i tried putting that in various points and then when i slotted it in after cafe it just felt 
right. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that it's it's alluding to what's to come on album two. And when you get to album two, um, you'll hear it refashioned in a song, and that it creates this kind of. I just I like I don't know just as a as a music fan that would be the kind of thing where I'd be like oh that's cool yeah as a, like a you know nerdy yeah. thing so um yeah and it's just pretty we just felt like it was pretty and it deserved <laughs> its own moment you know? sure yeah yeah I mean actually uh, I love those kind of like uh, repeating refrains that you find in an album album yeah reprises yeah, and reprises stuff. yeah and I actually wrote down I'm like I literally wrote is this a theme is this a a refrain that we're gonna hear again in part two. It is. See, you are. See, yeah, I'm attentive. Um, I do. I mean, yeah, it does. It does work as that kind of transition because the next two tracks on the record take a softer tone than what we've kind of been dealing with so far. They're still anxious. They're still. They're still living in this world. But like Sunday, it feels peaceful, more peaceful at least um, sonically, but thematically. It's it's almost ex- the, the thesis statement of this whole world of, of we're living in this kind of mess that our parents had left. Like we were promised so much and now we're dealing with this. We're here now. Tom's I read it as a song of almost acceptance, of like acknowledging that this is where we are. Depending on my mood, I read it like I feel differently about what it's trying to say. But um, yeah, there's definitely an element of acceptance in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, you're totally right about this feeling of being abandoned by previous generations who promised us so much. And it kind of, in my mind, it tied back in with the Victorian uh, railway arches in the sense of like this past achievement of and how from generation to generation um our ancestors built up progress and they built civilizations and they built amazing cities and and now at the point of precipice where we're kind of on a perilous situation in many ways socially and environmentally they're not around to help right and we're not adults i just don't feel like anyone sometimes i just don't i'm like where are all the adults <laughs> but you know we're, yeah, we're, we're, even the old people are, they're, they're like wearing sneakers and they're like you know it's <laughs> like they're they're just they're just older kids they're not adults right and um so it's this kind of feeling of like I don't know, just a feeling of resentment towards why we were, why we, why, why, why we've been left in this situation. Um, and I wanted, you know, when I think about the song, it's like, um, yeah, it's got this kind of youthful. I don't want to unpick it too much because it's like I feel like you can read it in different ways, but it's got. You're totally right about the acceptance, or rather, just a kind of um, a joyful nihilism to it, where it's like yeah. maybe. Maybe it doesn't matter if everything's screwed up because if you've got your pals around you and you can go and, I don't know, you can go and take refuge in whatever you need to. Like, you can't always be plugged in and be concerned. So that, that like, I, there's an element of, there's a conflict between those two things going on there. Yeah. I mean, I just, the, the... And obviously the song breaks out into a kind of like, let's let's drop pingers and go to Glastonbury. Yeah, so, exactly. So, and so there's... You know, like I, I'm kind of repeating myself, but I want the record to be enjoyable as well and be physically gratifying yeah. at, on a on a on a gut level. So, 
and uh, those are things that you can't um, underestimate. You know. Sure. I mean, and it, uh, I I think that the the I don't know if to call it a hook or refrain, but that we've got youth to spare. That thing that that line that kind of keeps yeah. slowing back in. Um, does that in so many ways because it sounds like a rallying cry like we've got youth to spare like we can we can it's it's almost that feeling of immortality that you get when you're young but it also talks directly to everything you were just saying about like where are the adults and like so it's it's simultaneously um celebratory and kind of mournful yeah right? it's bittersweet sort yeah of thing. there we go bittersweet yeah. that's the that's the word um uh, and then from there we go to uh Again, I only wrote half the... It's I'm not, done with the... It's a long one, isn't it? Yeah. I'm done with the world and it's done with me. I'm done with the world and it's done with me. Right. Kind of uh, spot, I'm done with the world. The fox is dead in the garden The hedges are on fire in the country As a as a sort of fan of of these kind of I'm gonna again say the word conceptual uh, apocalyptic albums, I love a piano ballad about the end of the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, love it. Um, so, what were your what were your feelings going into making this the final song and making this kind of as we said earlier, this downer note? So, I mean, I guess leaving it, you know. F- it, the song moved around when we were trying to sequence the two records. The song actually, we kept trying it in different places and it didn't feel right. And then it, it, it's somewhat obviously the most obvious thing would be to put it last, but we just somehow didn't get onto that until <laughs> later on. And then once we put it last, we're like, oh, actually, that's that's where it belongs. Because to me, it feels like it should have, you know, closing credits rolling up and it feels like it's zooming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we definitely wanted to end album one in this kind of resigned tone um and for there to be this sort of stark defeatism to it so that when album two kicks off which it starts in big contrast to it then it's like you've got a clash and mm-hmm. we wanted to have that kind of tension um but yeah the song um the song was written early on it felt like it came from a different place jimmy sent me the chords he was living in germany and he sent me the chords and it was before we'd written much of the material that came very early on and I was hung over and it was an autumn day and I was like looking out of my garden and the um all the trees were turning colour and there was a there was a fox in the garden that was wounded. And I felt I I felt I don't know, I felt bad I felt obviously really bad for it and um I ended up feeding it for a couple of days. It couldn't it basically couldn't move. And um I went into the studio and he had sent me these chords and I just felt super tender and all of those lyrics just came out in one go. I didn't even, I, they, I, I didn't really even write them in a way. They just came out kind of flippantly in a, in a sense. Right. Um, but it's only in slotting it into the body of the record where I feel like it's the perfect complete completion to the album. But it wasn't, it wasn't by design. It was kind of, it preceded most of the rest of the record. So it's wild. Yeah, it was, it was cool. And, um, I can just yeah I can just remember that that day was a very vivid day for me when we when when I went in and wrote that and the fox hung around for a few days and then it, it disappeared I don't know what happened to it wow you didn't take care of it I tried to yeah. so I fed it but it it had a problem with its leg um and I called the RSPCA which is the UK like uh, animal welfare animal. and they were like 
they basically said like you know feed it see what happens but like usually you know i don't know what happens to it wow yeah well okay so so if the fox is listening this one's for you (laughs) um it's 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 funny to me that you keep multiple times during this hour you've said like things weren't exactly thought out in 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 Obviously, there's a lot of thoughtful lyricism and a lot of thoughtful orchestration, and it's not like you just blindly yeah, sat down yeah. with a guitar. But um, it, the end result feels so unified. It, it, it really works as a listen. Like, every time I've listened to it, I kind of... It just it feels complete. It doesn't feel like... like you I, could I've, add something or take something away. Yeah. It just it feels right. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that how to how to how to form that into a question. How does that? F- it feels good. Yeah. I, t- I mean, I tell you, I know I know what you're talking about because like, I think it's impossible to go in with a design anyway on an album because it will but it will find a way to elude you if you try and do that. So the th- the thing that we try and do or and i feel like we, we we did it on this one and other times maybe we haven't in the same way but um is just to create the environment in the studio where everybody's kind of resonating on the same things and certainly with the lyrics you're kind of you've, there's a bit of luck involved there's a bit of kind of being a divining rod and hoping that all of the disparate themes that might be going through your head will form and kind of merge into a larger whole that will mm-hmm. feel cohesive. And it's pleasing to hear that it feels like that because I, I feel like that about it. Um, I feel like the sequencing's right and it's got this cohesion to it, which I think is, you know, it's um, feels like a bit of that we've been helped in some way or that something's, something's come together in a way where even if we wanted to do it like that, it wouldn't have happened. So yeah. there's an element of like letting letting nature into the room and just hoping that the artistic process takes you somewhere that's great. And um, that's partly why we feel like we're in a really good place because it's like, we feel like we've pulled it off. Yeah. So it uh, feels good. It's It sounds marvelous. Like it, That just sounds like such a cool thing to experience. And uh, I mean, I, I love this album. I have a feeling your fans are really going to embrace so much of what's happening here, even though um, I think ma- mainly because, like I said earlier, like you found a way to do the trademark full sound and and make it sound progressed like make it sound yeah grown there's a danger in being around for a while where like Always. you become you become a kind of facsimile of yourself or like things start to get stale or they get a bit thin they get a bit anemic and you're kind of you know i've seen this with bands that i love where it's like um you know you can see a narrowing of like of something and it's yeah. they just feel like it and i think definitely feel like after what went down it's like that's the end of that era and we're lucky enough to feel excited about the next phase i really feel like i feel renewed in our energy to go out and make more work and be creatively ambitious and to play shows and it's like it would be quite easy to not feel like that at this stage but actually i feel more excited than ever and i think we we all do in the band well that's 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 exciting that we have now two of these to come then we have another one of these to look forward to and we have we have the new stage show and, and hearing these songs live to look forward to. So very exciting stuff. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking to this record. And we'll see you on the road in a couple months. Def- and back absolutely. in autumn when you drop part two. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, man.
Consequence Podcast Network.